What is happening, NBA fans? Uh, welcome into another week of Dropping Dimes. First and foremost, I apologize for having missed last week. Um, I was still reeling from getting my second COVID shot, and uh, I was no bueno. No chance I could have uh, recorded. I did not want to get out of bed. So instead of giving you a half-ass show, I gave you no show at all. All right. <laughs> um but that being said, sorry, a little something in my teeth there. Um, today, we're here to talk about the, the play-in games from last night and uh, look forward to uh, or look towards tonight's doubleheader. Um, we will start with the first ever NBA play-in game between the Indiana Pacers and the Charlotte Hornets. And, uh, man, Indiana just came out guns blazing. Doug McDermott was on fire, just flat out on fire. Um, so much so that once he finally missed from three, that heat check one at the top of the key, um, it looked like a bad shot. His feet didn't look properly set. Like he wasn't squared to the basket. And yet he had been so money in the bank that part of me, upon seeing him jump up for that, I was like, that doesn't look like it's going in. Uh, but he'd been so on fire. You're like, but you never know. Let's let's see what he what happens here. Um, you know, there's the fallacy of the hot hand. And yet, uh, actually, now there's some... Uh, some uh, uh, analysis has been done on that to dispute um, the fallacy of the hot hand, which there is actually technically a hot hand. It really comes down to situations like that with McDermott last night, where when a player is hot, they end up taking more and more ridiculous shots, which evens out their percentage overall. But they have been making more, uh, and they may in fact actually have a hot hand. Um, so anyway, the Pacers just came out guns blazing. They took a lead in the first. They never relinquished that lead. They had complete uh, command and control of the game from start to finish. Uh, as the announcers were pointing out during the game, it didn't look like, you know, uh, uh, the Hornets had really showed up to play. I mean, they were trying to sell it like, you know, that, that it was still anybody's game on some level for a while there. But the Pacers, just methodical. I think the encapsulation of the game was Sabonis himself. He starts off just slow from the field. Um, you know, heated up in the second half. But in the first half, I mean, he, he's not putting in any points to really help the team. And yet they're up by double digits. They're getting incredible production from McDermott, from Brissett. Um, and they were doing all the little things. And the reason I say that Sabonis is a great example of what they were doing uh, or, or, you know, the Pacers as a whole, he was still, getting rebounds. He was still dishing assists. He was doing everything he could to help the team. Just buckets weren't falling. What, what are you going to do? So instead of getting down on myself about the fact that I'm not contributing to the point total, I can do other things. And, uh, I mean, the Pacers just, it was impressive to watch, but the Hornets were like, did, did you guys... Did you want Brissett to back cut on the baseline and get an easy dunk? No problem. We'll help you out with that. Oh, you want to have McDermott flash to the middle and Sabonis find him for a little floater in the lane? No problem. Or Drew or Justin Holiday? No problem. It was the Pacers were cutting, back cutting, setting screens. And then you put like McConnell in there who got four steals in the game. Um, you know, doing what McConnell does, a little spark plug. And they fought with an intensity that you would anticipate in a winner-go-home type of game, whereas the Hornets just kind of looked slightly out of it. They had, you know, players who seemed like 
they showed up. Um, you know, uh, Washington seemed like he was kind of tuned in. Miles Bridges seemed like he was somewhat tuned in. Um, Terry Rozier did not have a good game. And, you know, when you're taking 20 shots and you shoot 35% and O of nine from three, that's going to kill you. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest difference in both the games. One team shot well from three, one team did not. And in the Celtics case, it's really two guys shot well from three and the rest of the team did not shoot well at all, which dragged down the overall uh, shooting percentage. But anyway, we'll get to them in a second. But the the Hornets just, I don't know. They didn't look like that they were mentally checked in to the game, like watching it. And I will say this, as others uh, pointed out on Twitter, man, it had to be Spiro on the announcing team. Dude, you got to back that mic off just a little bit. Just hearing you breathe after a sentence, it, it sounded like you were gasping for air. Uh, I don't know if you've had COVID. I hope that's not the case. Or if you did, you've gotten over it. I don't know Spiro Ditas's, uh health. And I'm assuming it was him because it lined up with, you know, he finishes a sentence or is getting ready to start a sentence. And you just heard this. Uh, it was, I took my headphones off at one point and was just watching it uh, on silent, uh, which was fine. I mean, you know, the game was lopsided, but it, it was a little bit much at times. Um, but yeah, the Pacers, the Pacers look like they understand whoops, the urgency of the situation overall and potentially, you know, we'll bring that intensity into the next game against uh, the Washington Wizards. Um, so Jeremy Bauer says, uh, man, did I miss dropping dimes last week? I apologize, man. Uh, I had the chills. I had just gotten over uh, the nausea uh, from the second COVID shot. Uh, Moderna guys, it kicked my butt, but it's worth it. I have less than one week and then my body has made uh, enough antibodies and I can go out into the world maskless if I so choose, although I will still wear a mask. But what are you going to do? Um, Jake Cleveland said, I think the Hornets really missed Hayward. No doubt. They really missed. Because I think Hayward would have understood the urgency. The guys, you know, played in the playoffs in some high leverage moments, um, which outside of Terry Rozier, they don't really have anybody that's got experience within the playoffs. And I don't know if that was why. Um, cause on the flip side of that, you know, uh, the Pacers haven't been in a ton of high leverage moments, but it's, I mean, they played like they understood. I mean, it's a, it's a March madness type of atmosphere, man. You need to win to advance. And now they need to win again to advance once again, just to go in and play Philly, uh, in that opening round. Um, but, uh, Oh, well, people are saying yeah, the party's over. Said Clyde dropping dimes is back. Uh, love the show. Makes work better. No problem, man. Uh, sorry. Once again. Uh, anyway. So. I mean, the Pacers were getting practically whatever shot they wanted at any given time. And the Hornets were left to do the best they could. They had flashes. Um. But I just think that when the Pacers are shooting that well from three and you are not, it's going to be a mountain to to climb, to overcome. Um, and you're just not hitting at the same clip. The outcome was the outcome. But watching Sabonis, I, th I think once again, was you know emblematic of the team as a whole. Right now, I'm missing my shots, but I'm going to do everything else that I can uh, to help this team. Although they're, you know, it's kind of interesting to note that whenever Zeller was on Sabonis, he gave him somewhat fits, although they, they let him body up. I, I think both teams need to get used to that a little bit, um, that it's the playoffs and 
the with the you know refs swallow their whistles by rights. I mean, how much better was that game? Guys were just fighting a little bit harder instead of getting ticky tack fouls left and right. Just like yeah, 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 it's the playoffs, man. You got banged up, so be it. Outside of some egregious ones um, in this game, I think by and large it was well officiated. Um, so the Pacers move on, and now they take on the Washington Wizards, the loser of last night's second game. Uh, and what should be an interesting one because, all right, let's flash over to the second game. So Boston and Washington, Russ didn't look like himself. Beal didn't look like himself. Um, and Washington wasn't in the first half. They take a two point lead going into halftime. And that's really more so I think because the second unit on Boston is so thin that they were able to climb back into the game. Um, and I hate to say it, but I, I'm glad that Marv is finally, pardon me, finally going to hang it up. It sucks. I'm not exactly happy about that. But when he keeps calling Aaron Neesmith, Marcus Smart, he did it on back-to-back possessions once where Neesmith I made a great defensive stop and then uh, came down and shot a three that missed. Uh, and it was Neesmith did this. I mean, pardon me, Smart did this, Smart did that. And it's like, it's clearly Aaron. It's, I mean, there's no denying it. Um, and it sucks to see the former, the former grade of Marv Albert reduced to the shell of himself uh, in this current iteration. But I will say this. Um, you know, future now Hall of Famer, Chris Weber. It was nice to not have him on the cast. I appreciated Grant Hill. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, don't want to kick a man while he's down, but he wasn't the best. And that duo was my, probably my least favorite of any of the announcing duos. Um, so it was good to have some slightly different blood in there. But within this game, so... Beal, you know, was holding at his, his, uh, what is it? His right leg and came up a little gimpy at one point and Westbrook wasn't exactly himself. They, they leaned on Alex Lynn for a lot of heavy minutes. Bertans was not hitting his shots. Um, Hachimura, you know, gave you the scant amount that Hachimura can give you. And on the flip side, on the Celtics, I mean, Jason Tatum, 50 points. That's that's pretty fantastic. And then Kimba Walker, no, no slouch himself. I mean, between the two of them, they score over 70 points. That's going to be a recipe for success no matter what. Uh, but Boston, you know, showed their weakness. They have no depth. So once you take out, especially Tatum, and give him some rest, that team, I mean, the train comes off the tracks. They're really missing Jalen Brown in those moments. And now they have to go up against the Nets. And I'll be intrigued as to what kind of series we get out of this because the Nets very well could take them 4-1. I don't want to say sweep because there there is always a chance you do have between uh, uh, Tatum and Walker and you get like a good game out of Marcus Smart and they play some solid defense. They can steal one. But the firepower on the Nets is so much greater that it's going to be difficult to match shot for shot in any given game for the Celtics. But kudos to them for one of the few times this year, man. You want to talk about a lackadaisical team. The Celtics come out and just like, nah, you know, I don't give a shit tonight. And be like, really? That's that's three out of four straight games I've been watching you guys where it's, I don't give a shit tonight. Um, so the sense of urgency was real and palpable for them. Uh, Kimball Walker looked amped up. Um, Jason Tatum looked calm, cool, collected, which is fine, but you would hope that he would get a little more amped up um, on some level. It Hopefully during these playoffs you see uh, just the intensity 
boil over. And I'm not saying the guy's not a competitor and he doesn't care about winning, but it would be nice to see him go, you know, slightly KG-ish. I realize KG is the gold standard for just sheer intensity. Um, but even your most mild-mannered of individuals throughout NBA history, once it comes playoff time, you see them just get amped up. You know, look at somebody like Dirk. Just, just a calm, quiet guy. But I can recall numerous times where he hits a key bucket and he just, this huge, you know, screaming face. He's excited, dialed into the moment, um, which is not something you you would have seen from him all that often. Um, I would like to see that kind of intensity from Tatum. That being said, he still put 50 on him. And he was the best player on the floor last night, like hands down. It wasn't even close. Once again, though, Beal didn't look like fully himself. And Russ, Russ almost looked tired that he's been carrying the team as the emotional leader of this and the second half of the season kind of charge that they've been on. Um now, perhaps it was them saying, you know what? We'd rather square off against Philly because we have a better chance. Uh, uh, perhaps. Um, you know, Philly presents an interesting matchup for either of these teams. Uh, but Boston, I mean, look, Kemba showed why they went out and signed him to the four-year deal. Will he be able to hold up over the rigors of a, a playoff series? He should be able to hold up for one. If they manage to make it past the Nets, which would be a Herculean task, um, I'm curious as to whether or not physically he'll be able to hold up beyond that. Because if he goes down, then the Boston Celtics have zero chance. Because now you're saying, hey, Marcus, we need you to do stuff. And that's not good. <laughs> that is not good. I love Marcus Smart. But if it turns into Marcus Smart ISO time, that's that that means your team is gonna lose by double digits. Um he is a bulldog. He he gives the Boston Celtics uh a toughness and edge and an identity that they sorely lack otherwise in their two big stars in Tatum and Brown. Um but that, I mean, Kemba goes down, they're getting drummed out of the playoffs. And it's, say Kemba goes down in like game two or something. And uh, just, you know, I'm not saying like forever, but he, he tweaks his knee or rolls an ankle or something and has to sit out for big chunks. Um, they're going to lose that game. And there, if he has to sit out the next game, they're going to lose that next game because they don't have the depth to replace any of those points. They just don't. I mean, who who at that that point are you going to rely on? Pritchard? Langford? Neesmith? Who are you turning to? Tristan Thompson? Um, Evan Fournier? I mean, Fournier looked pretty, pretty atrocious last night. Although, everybody not named Tatum and Walker didn't have the greatest of games last night. Uh, let's see. Fournier shot three of 11 overall, two for six from three. So, you know, it's not the world's worst at three. Marcus Smart, three of eight, one of five from three. Um, you know, Tristan Thompson, four of nine, and then four of eight from the free throw line. That's a killer. Um, Romeo Langford, one for one. Neesmith, one for four. Simi Ojale, 0 for 2. Peyton Pritchard, 0 for 1. And then the the scrubs. Um, although Pritchard played mostly garbage time. Uh, Carson Edwards, Grant Williams, Tremont Waters, you know, playing scant minutes and even lesser production. Uh, but listen to that depth. They just don't have it. And what's weird is Coming into this season, I liked the Celtics quite a bit. You did get a maturation from Tatum and Brown, but uh, they just didn't have much of any heart this season. And they didn't seem to be pushing themselves all that hard. So 
a long series with the Nets, I do not envision. Um, I'm going to be, and say it's a gentleman's sweep is, is what I'm going to say. And the Nets take it 4-1. Uh, I'll give Boston one game, but very easily could be a sweep. And uh, it just is what it is. I mean, Octane over in the chat said to, or asked the, if the Celtics have a chance against the Nets. I do not believe they have a chance in hell against the Nets. Um, whereas, like, say Washington wins against and then goes on to take on the Sixers, I could see them taking a game, two games, possibly from the Sixers. Like, there's a world in which you can conceive of that, uh, especially if if Westbrook and Beal both ball out and have a good game. That's entirely possible. Um, and the Pacers, if they win and move on, well, Malcolm Brogdon looked good last night. It's good to see that, you know, the minutes restriction they had him on. I think the the announcer said the coaching staff was looking to do him in like six-minute bursts or so and then sit him down, just to kind of try and get him into game shape. Um, between him and Sabonis, if Brissett can keep giving you stuff like this, McDermott has had a good season. Um, you know, they get Levert back. They've got some interesting options to where it's not going to be just a, a full-on slaughter from Philly because Philly's not the most high-octane of offenses. Their defense is, you know, solid as all hell uh, between their wings in Thibel and Simmons, and then you got Embiid in the paint uh, and Dwight backing them up. Um, they can play defense. They can also get relatively hot from uh, the offensive side. But there is a world in which I could see either of those teams peeling off a couple games from them. It, it, it's possible. Whereas Celtics and Nets, I don't I don't see it. Um, Hugo Chavez says, calling it Celtics versus the Lakers in the finals. Let's get it. <laughs> Look, if, if they manage to do that, then... Tatum will have ascended to superstardom and potentially super duper stardom. And he's just putting up 45 a night every night. And he's flat out unstoppable shooting 50, 40, 90. Although he went, what, 17 to 17 from the line last night? A little discrepancy there in the foul calls. Um, <laughs> slightly favored, ever so slightly. The weird thing is watching the game you know, they're, they're giving you the updates of what he's shooting overall. It didn't seem egregious as, at least personally for me, as I was live watching it. Most of those were earned uh, fouls. You know, your and ones. Uh, there was that three from the top of the key where uh, Beal fouled him and Beal looked at the ref like, what did I do? But you didn't really give him any space to land. I think that's that's where you're going to get the foul call. And you'll still get that in the playoffs. He didn't do the kick out, the James Harden kick out to get uh, contact to draw a foul type of nonsense. Or the Trey Young, I curl around a pick and then wait for my man to come up behind me and then jump to bait. Which, by the way, according to Woj, the rules committee is going to sit down in the offseason and try and figure out how to legislate that out of the game. And God, I really hope that's the case, especially the Trey Young one. It is cheap, and it not, it does not need to be in the game. It sucks. It sucks. It is That's not basketball. That's free throw shooting. Um, when you are just aligning yourself to get fouled, you don't care if the shot goes in in the slightest, except for potentially it means more points. Uh, on the and one side, but you're not looking for a shot. Um, I wouldn't mind it if he just did it like once a game, but when he's hunting for that shit, it is annoying is all hell. And I really hope, um, you know, the Knicks don't fall prey to that in their series. All right. So moving on to, um, well, I'll answer a couple more, um, uh, so this party's at over as uh, Jokic or Curry for MVP. Jokic has won it, guaranteed. Embiid is second, and it becomes a question of who is third. There's been a push for Chris Paul for third. 
Um, Steph Curry uh, is landing on a lot of ball- ballots in third. And then you also have Giannis and Dame. Those are your, you know, biggest vote getters. That's your top six right there. Guaranteed Jokic, then Embiid. It's not going to be unanimous for Jokic. Um, which I'm fine with. I don't really care. And I wouldn't imagine he cares either. Um, Embiid just didn't play enough games compared to Jokic is the only all-star that played all 72 games. He's the only one. Um, he got himself into shape and stopped eating like an asshole. Makes all the difference in the world when you look at your body like a machine and you feed it properly. Um, but I think Curry's got a shot at third, but in no world do I see him winning the MVP. He's been the MVP the second half of the season in my eyes. Cause if you look at that team and I am a Warriors fan, I enjoy watching them play basketball. I think it's a delight each and every time. Um, and I thoroughly look forward to watching Steph Curry play at all times. I mean, he is just one of my favorite players to watch. It's, there's such joy in him and in the team around him that it's hard not to get caught up in it. Um, but if you look at that team as a whole, like Juan, Juan Toscano Anderson is solid. And he, he they just signed him to a two-year deal. Um which is great for him. Somebody on the fringes, you know, um, good enough to be in the league, but is he good enough to stay? And officially he is now going to stay. Jordan Poole had a good season, but outside of Wiggins, who's consistently getting them points? Nobody. When Curry sits, their offense is the worst in the league or possibly 29th. Like it's just terrible. And he comes back on and he turns them into, you know, a, when he's on the floor, they are a solid offense. And when he is off, they are G League compared to the NBA. And, you know, ending up third in MVP is a, a nice honor for that. Anyway, moving on to tonight's games. So the first up, we've got uh, Memphis versus the Spurs. Um, the weird thing is I don't. But, so I think Memphis wins this. They're a much more balanced team. Um, their offense and defense is better. If you go look at net, net differential, they're plus like one and a half to 1.7, somewhere in that ballpark. And on the flip side, the Spurs are, they have a negative point differential. They're giving up more points than they score. Um, they barely eked in in the West. Their record is indicative more so of an Eastern Conference team than it is a Western Conference team. Um, and that is fully a knock on the Eastern Conference. As I wear my Bulls hat, the hat is the East. The East is uh, just not as good. Much as uh, I've had, uh, you know, Griff on this show, and uh, I think it was last year when, was, when I was still doing a Collider. Or, God, was it a year and a half? Year and a half ago, whatever. And he's saying that you know he doesn't believe into the disparity of the two conferences and be like, I don't know, we've got 20 some odd years straight of the West being the much better conference. Now it ends up that the East still gets some championships in there uh, between Boston, Detroit, Miami, Cleveland. But that being said, the bulk of the hall of famers of the past 20 years are coming from the West. I think that should tell you everything you need to know about which side is the stronger side, but so from that first game with uh, Memphis and the Spurs, I mean, I just don't really know what, exactly what I'm going to get from the, the the Spurs team. Whereas Memphis, yes, they're reintegrating back in Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J. Um, and he's had a few games with them since coming back. He missed a year uh, with a knee injury. And they were slow to kind of reintegrate him back in. They held him on, you know, the original projections should have gotten him back into the lineup. I believe it was something like two months before he actually joined the team. And it was just kind of a slow pace of we're looking long-term as opposed to making a push for this year's playoffs. 
Um, but between Ja, him, Dylan Brooks, and the rest of that team has to offer, um, I think they have a greater sense of identity as to who they are compared with uh, the Spurs. Now, the Spurs, you've got the pedigree of, of Pop and the coaching staff, but Pop primarily won multiple championships. But I think the record overall of 33 and 39, I believe it is, I'm pretty certain that it is, and a negative 1.5 point differential kind of lays out all the facts right there. They're a mediocre team that, you know, if there were no play-in game, we would not be talking about them in the slightest. Memphis, we'd still be talking about because they lost that game to Golden State and thereby securing Golden State's place as the eighth seed. And it's like, oh, it's another year. Um, but Memphis was in the driver's seat last year for the play-in game and then it ended up, you know, losing out and having to to play their way back into the playoffs. And uh, will they be able to change that storyline? Do they have, I think they've got the motivation tonight. Um, and we'll have the sense of urgency that I think Memphis is going to take it to them. Um, and I, if I had to guess, I say Memphis uh, wins by double digits. I don't know what the line on the game is. I know Memphis is going to be favored. Um, but I just think that they have a better idea as to what their game plan is and, uh, who they are, what they do well, they're solid on defense. Um, and I just think, I just think Memphis takes this now, whether or not, um, you know, the biggest flaw for me within Memphis is the fact that Ja doesn't shoot from three all that often and shoots a mediocre percentage at that. So he needs to shoot from outside to, to keep the defense on the other side honest. Because um, if teams are just backing away going, go, go ahead, go ahead. You so rarely shoot from three and don't shoot that high a percentage at least he's willing to shoot. This isn't a Ben Simmons situation where he's never going to shoot from three. So you can stay six feet off of him unless you fear him getting ahead of steam as he runs to the basket. Um, but you need to shoot from out there to keep defense office and also honest rather um, and not clog up the lane. So you still have the driving options and, and whatnot around him um, to free up space. So you can get Valanchunas cooking down low or Jaron Jackson, although Jaron Jackson is more than willing to shoot from three as well. Um, but to just free up the interior, driving lanes for other guys, if your defender is going to be able to collapse down in, um, it's just going to congest passing lanes, driving lanes, and throw a monkey wrench into your overall uh, offensive game plan. So hopefully, Ja, you know, takes some shots from outside, hits a couple of them, and then thereby makes his defender pull out um, to the three-point line. And then it just opens up the fluidity of the offense as a whole. And I, I have a, you know, my rooting interest in this is I would prefer to see Memphis because Memphis has a core, and I want to see if this core can advance and do some things. Um, Whereas I think the Spurs are still looking for their number one and Memphis has theirs in Ja. Um, and between Ja, Triple J, Dylan Brooks, just like there's three young, interesting guys and potentially we're going to build around them. Although they've got a Jaron Jackson Jr. Extension discussion coming up in the very, very near future. Um, and whether or not they're, they're going to extend him, whether or not he's on the team after that, um, I would assume so. But if somebody swooped in and offered them an interesting trade package for him, I could see them doing it and pulling the trigger. Um, so let's switch over to the game that we're all excited for when the NBA put forth 
And when you ask like players, are you fans of the play in game? Every one of them basically gives a variation on the same answer, which is uh, it's great. So long as I'm not in it. And I do think that there needs to be a slight tweak to it where if you're the seven seed, like Dallas was last year, and you're up by in the standings by a staggering amount of games, let's say five games, that's a lot of games. Then there should be an automatic trigger where your place is set. And now nine plays 10 to eventually play eight to determine who plays the number one overall seed. I think something like that. If, if, within the standings you are by like far and away better then there shouldn't be this penalty for a team like that. But anyway, so when they were, when they created the play in game, the first year ever, I can't imagine anybody thought, you know, it'd be great in this inaugural one is to have the Lakers play the Warriors. <laughs> potentially have to send home either LeBron or Curry. Now it's not like the game earlier where loser goes home. Loser still has an opportunity to play their way into the eight game or the eight seed rather and take on Utah. But if I am either golden state or the Lakers, I much prefer playing Phoenix, especially if I'm the Lakers because Phoenix has no real answer for AD uh, or LeBron. Whereas on the flip side, Utah, Utah is a tough matchup for the Lakers and for the Warriors because the Warriors can't match up with all those various guys. Whereas with the Suns, at least it'd be interesting. Um, I still favor the Suns. Suns over Warriors, yes. Suns Lakers, that gets interesting. It's hard to bet against the Lakers. Um, if it was Utah Lakers, I might actually hedge towards Utah because it's an opening round. They've gotten a little bit more rest. Um, the Lakers are still reintegrating all these guys together. It is a LeBron team. We've seen him do this in the past, um, be able to turn it on come playoff time uh, or reconfigure the entire team when when need be, like look at the, you know, Kevin Love and Kyrie go down and then suddenly they change their entire offensive game plan against the Warriors and it just became a, uh, everybody else rebound. LeBron is going to either post up or shoot a three or drive to the lane and uh, we're all just going to facilitate for him. But in this Lakers-Warriors game, I think all of us, those listening, those watching would be, pretty amazed if the Warriors won because look, the Warriors are a one trick pony this season. It's Steph Curry. Now Wiggins is still going to get you, you know, he's steady Eddie. It's pretty impressive, man. He can play as many minutes as you need him to. He's fairly efficient overall. Um, and next year I'm looking forward to him. Clay. Wiseman with the training staff after an entire summer. Um, and there's a 75% chance or roughly it's like 74 point something or other that they get the T wolves pick. Um, so if they end up with the T wolves pick and they're saying that this draft is like seven deep of guys that all have a chance of being perennial all-stars, you know, I don't know. I don't follow college or the international the young kids coming up. Yeah. I'll watch once it gets closer to draft time, those, you know, I'll watch some mixtapes and stuff like that, but that doesn't really give you a sense of who guys are or are not. Um, you know, that being said, I liked three guys coming into last year's draft after watching everybody's mixtapes or highlight reels or whatever the case you want, you want to say. And they were, I liked Wiseman a lot. I'd seen a lot of LaMelo, so I'm not counting him in this mix. But the three guys I liked, I liked Wiseman, I liked Obi Toppin, and I liked Pokashevsky. Um, and all three of those have shown flashes, but none of them are great. Um, 
and Anthony Edwards. I just didn't know exactly what I would do, what you were going to get. And LaMelo, I was scared off by all the numbers coming out of the New Zealand league, just pick and roll defense. He was the worst player in the league. And that's not a good sign when the NBA runs pick and roll nonstop. But anyway, so the Warriors could hypothetically end up with another player. And then you get clay back Wiseman, all that. So next year, I think the Warriors are going to be super interesting and a tough out tonight. It's okay. We're going to ball pressure on Curry as soon as he crosses half court. Um, revert back to what the Cavs would do to the Warriors is you make him fight around every screen that he runs. You grab him, you pull at him, you make it harder and harder and harder on him to do anything. You clog up him running around left and right um, and then just go, all right, Wiggins. Okay, Draymond, let's see if that backpack is still on there and shoot that three, buddy. You know, uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, Jordan Poole, uh, Kevon Looney, like <clears throat> anybody else, anybody else. They're either going to do that or I guess the other the other tactic the Lakers could do is, Steph, you can shoot as much as you want. We're going to make sure your teammates don't do anything else which is another possibility. But given the fact that Steph is so prolific, um, the Warriors still have a chance. Still have a chance. Steph could put up 50. If he shoots 44, 45% from three, and he takes the volume of threes that he's been taking all season long, but especially over the last like couple months where he's putting up 15, 16 threes a night. And if he hits, you know, seven of those, eight of those on top of getting to the line and the floaters in the lane and all that, there's, he's got an excellent chance of getting 45, 50 points. So then if he manages to do that, it turns into a Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker. All right, Wiggins, if you can get 25, suddenly you need you need the Lakers to put up points, which shouldn't be too difficult. I mean, what's interesting about it is so the Lakers in the season with the best defense by two tenths of a point, I, I think. But still, given the the amount of time that they've had guys out of the lineup, um. You know, with with LeBron, AD, Schroeder, Alex Caruso, like they've had guys in and out of the lineup all season, and they still end up number one overall. Tells you that the game plan that the the coaching staff has for them on defense is team wide. Everybody understands their uh, the defensive scheme, the switches that they're going to do, how they're going to key on certain guys. Um, you know what their roles are within the defensive mentality or identity of the team, which that being said, the Warriors ended up, I want to say fifth, which did anybody before the season started go, you know, it's going to be top 10 in defense, not even top five. So golden state warriors. Um, and if you look at like all four of tonight's teams, technically the most balanced is Memphis. Um, they're something like 15th in offense and top 10 in defense. I think they might be seventh in defense. Hold on. I can tell you in two seconds, defensive rating. Yeah. Memphis seventh. Um, Lakers are first warriors are fifth. Memphis is seventh offensive rating. Here's where we get into trouble. Lakers are 24th. Uh, the warriors are 20th. So they kind of even each other out. That being said, uh, it's apparently my phrase of the day. Um, the Lakers have done that without big chunks of AD and LeBron and Schroeder. So I don't know if that, that offensive number is real for the Lakers 
Whereas I, I believe the defensive number is real for both. So I, I would sit here tomorrow blown away if the Warriors won this. They just don't match up well with the Lakers. The Lakers have too much. I mean, Draymond is the Warriors' best defender. And I think on, on some media members' ballots, he's probably going to end up in the 2-3 range on Defensive Player of the Year, which I thought those days were long gone for Draymond. Um, but if you watched him this year, it's like the two-man game between him and Steph is still a thing of beauty. I wish Clay was out there um, because if you have Clay and then Wiggins as fourth banana, they have more than enough scoring. Um, and they'd be tonight's game would be much more interesting. I don't think the Warriors would have ended up in this position had you gotten a full season out of Clay, even if you gotten 75 per season percent of a season out of Clay. But I think I just think the Lakers have too much. Uh, but I would be watching completely riveted and fascinated. I can't wait to see it. And hopefully Draymond doesn't do some stupid bullshit where he gets himself a technical or tossed uh, because he got too intense in the moment. It's always a possibility. I mean, on some level, if I was Vogel, I'd be telling like, hey, Morris, why don't you go in there and like, you know, just, just poke it, poke the bear, poke the bear. We can take fouls from you, but just get under his skin. Um, and, you know, the Morris brothers have zero problem playing that role. They media have already asked Luca, like, Oh, you're going to have to square off against Marcus Morris after last season's playoff dust ups. And Luca, you know, gives one of the more diplomatic answers of basically, look, he's a competitor and he's going to come to compete. And I'm here for that. <laughs> like, okay. Pretty sure that, uh, you remember what happened last year and you, uh, rightly think the guy's a prick. Uh, I would if I were him. And if I'm a Clippers fan, it's exactly what I want from him. Get under the skin of the best player on the other side. Um, but Keith for the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we get Keith in there and uh, yeah, have him just, just be a dick. Um, but anyway, so Let's go over to the chat. Johnny Shoemaker says, who needs to have a bigger game tonight, AD or Curry? I think the Lakers bigs are going to have a good night and Curry will have at least 40, but Lakers uh, will take it in the end. I mean, Curry's got to have those kind of numbers for them to have any, any sort of shot. Who's got to have a bigger game? Curry has to have a bigger game. Just because if AD doesn't, that's fine. They've got LeBron. They've got other guys down the line they can show up to fill in whatever missing points that AD doesn't really give the team. Whereas if Curry doesn't have a good game, where are we going to get those missing? Say Curry gets 18 points. Well, you need at least another 20 to have any kind of shot. So who exactly is it going to be uh, on this team to do it? I do not know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's got to be. Uh, D-Train says, what are the chances the Nets will face the Knicks in the East Finals? I mean, that would be a lot of fun. The, the problem with the Sixers, man, not to say it's a cakewalk, but if you had to be on either bracket, it is much more preferable or preferable, however you want to say it, to be on their side of the bracket. Like in the West, I think it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, it, you know, there's, there's tough teams one through eight in the West. Whereas in the East, Philly has to, to beat the winner of, you know, Atlanta, or uh, the Knicks and you know, obviously get past their first round matchup of either Washington or Indiana. 
but they get through that. Then they have to face a team that doesn't have any playoff experience beyond what they've done this season uh, in New York and Atlanta. So then they're basically, I mean, with Penn, I put them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Whereas the bottom side of the bracket, man, oh man, you got the Nets, you got the Bucks, and the Bucks have to dispatch the Miami Heat first. And now I like the Bucks over the Miami Heat. I really think that the addition of Drew Holiday has made a tremendous difference on them. And I think they're a much different team just in their makeup. Um, because last year and the year before it was put a wall in the middle, thereby nullifying a lot of Giannis's effectiveness and then say, Middleton, go ahead and kill us. Go right ahead. And if he has an average or below average game, then the Bucks can be beaten pretty handily. Whereas Holiday now, you can't just do that. Um, gives them another competent score that they can rely on later in the game. So I like Milwaukee. I think if anybody's going to unseat the Nets, it's Milwaukee. And if any team could beat the Sixers, uh, it's going to be either Milwaukee or the Nets. So I don't, I don't see the Knicks making it to the finals. I would love it if they did, man. A testament to Tibbs. You know, uh, it looks like Monty Williams is going to win coach of the year. But as I discussed on the show a few weeks ago, I think Tibbs gets that award, in my opinion. Are the Suns impressive going from almost making it into the play-in game to number two in the West? Without a doubt. And a lot of that credit goes to Monty Williams, but they also had a replacement all-star in Booker, but still an all-star in the West. Um, and then you add a Hall of Famer in Chris Paul. And as everybody has rightly pointed out, if you look at the stats, Chris Paul joins a team, that team gets markedly better. Whereas looking at the roster of the Knicks coming into this season, I was like, look at this trash heap. Just, just terrible. Tibbs, what are you doing? Why are you taking this over? Um, and they've turned Julius Randle into a second Second team, all NBA. That's my hope where he lands. Worst case is third team. I hope he lands second team. RJ Barrett, all the naysayers and, and doomsday predictors. You know what? He's rounding into a solid NBA player. Uh, his averages, you know, went up and under more volume and minutes too. And in pure Tibbs fashion, he rode his guys way too much. Randall and RJ Barrett. Randall ends up number one in minutes. Barrett, I th I think, is right right at his uh, nipping behind him. Um, so I hope Tibbs doesn't do what he did in the past and just drive those guys in the ground because he plays him too many minutes in meaningless games, which is what he did to uh, a lot of Bulls players. Um, I love Tibbs, but resting guys just a little bit more. That's my only my only real qualm with Tibbs. Please get guys rest. So if you want long term the health um, of this team, but I think. Getting this kind of production, I mean, they end up as one of the top seeds in the East. The New York Knicks end up in the four spot in the East. In no world did I envision that. I had Phoenix making the playoffs. I did not have the Knicks making the playoffs at the start of the season. So I don't think the Knicks can beat Philly in a best of seven. I think that they could beat Atlanta, but within that series, I favor Atlanta just because they have more firepower. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. I'm pulling for the Knicks. I love it when New York is strong. It's the only team in New York that I like to see win. Um, so I'm pulling for the Knicks. But no, I don't, I don't foresee that. Uh, party's over. Post-game show? Probably not, man. Probably not. <laughs> I have uh, a whole bunch of other things uh, to get to. Um, but I like the enthusiasm. This party's over. I will be watching both. Um, you know, maybe we should set up like a Discord app or something for these games. And uh, we could shoot the breeze because I watch them on my laptop. 
um, with headphones on while my wife watches TV right behind me. <laughs> she's, she's not happy about it too. I told her like a week ago, I was like, Hey, uh, heads up, uh, <laughs> starting Tuesday, it's NBA playoff time. And, uh, I'm not going to be watching TV with you at night anymore for the next, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. So then when Tuesday rolled around, she's like, what do you want to do today? It's Tuesday's one of her days off. And I was like, well, uh, as mentioned a week previous, um, Starting at, uh, you know, three o'clock today, uh, I'm watching basketball all day and Wednesday as well and Thursday and Friday. And basically I'm just disappearing on you. So it's basketball time. Um, so I'm looking forward to tonight's two games. Um, well, this party's over. It's all jazzed about a discord for this. You know what? Um, if there's enough, so there's one. Let's say the threshold is is 10 people. We'll say 10 people. If 10 people want to join on a uh, create a Discord app to watch games and shoot the breeze, um, either leave a comment on uh, the video, on this video. It's over at uh, youtube.com forward slash dropping dimes. Or uh, hit me up on Twitter at Matt Nost. Um, I do not use Facebook anymore. Um, and I also rarely use Instagram. I think Facebook's policies are pretty heinous. Uh, so, you know, the other day, my, my nephew's young kid called me. I didn't know Facebook messenger had a uh, phone functionality and he called me on that. I just looked down. I was like, Facebook messenger is calling you. It's like, what in the world? But, uh, I answered it. And then when I closed it out, I saw I had a backlog, a back backlog of messages from people trying to get a hold of me on Facebook. So if you are, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to use it. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, um, you know, at Matt Nost on uh, Twitter, uh, you can hit me up over there. Or if you want to email the show, you can do it at uh, um, dropping dimes show at gmail.com. You can do it that way. So if you want to do the Discord app, look, email me at show at gmail.com. Leave me a tweet. Hit me up on Twitter um, at Matt Nost or leave a comment on the video over at youtube.com forward slash dropping dimes. There are your three options. If we get to 10 is the minimum because then we can have a discussion uh, overall. Um so, yeah, we'll set it up. And I've never done a Discord app, but it's got to be pretty pretty seamless and straightforward. I'm not really too concerned with having to figure that out. Um, all right, so this party's over. You're number one. we got to find nine more, bud. Nine more. Uh, that is it for today's show. I hope everybody out there enjoys tonight's action. I know I'm looking forward to it. And then the final elimination games for the eighth seeds the next two nights after this. Um I can't wait. NBA playoffs are here. It's the, it's the most wonderful time of the year. All right. Johnny Shoemaker says he's in as well. There's two. Eight to go, guys. Eight to go. And this party's over. I don't know what your real name is. So you got to tell me that. Um, so I know you're not doubling up on me when I'm trying to tally these names. So before I get out of here, let me know. Um, so, yeah. Um, Thanks for watching today's show. Uh, leave a comment once again. Manny. All right, Manny. Manny and Johnny are in. Um, share it around to your friends. Let them know if they want to talk a little NBA action. I appreciate everybody that's joining me in the chat. I apologize for having missed last week, but there was no chance I was getting out of bed um, to do the show. Trust me, it hurt. I love talking NBA basketball. I love any excuse that I get to watch more NBA basketball. Um, so, but I wanted nothing more than just to sit in bed with my chills and my fever and just wait it out. And guess what? At almost, I got the shot at 1 p.m. on Tuesday by when one or about three o'clock on Thursday, I was pretty much right as rain. Um, so it's almost on the timeline that everybody said it would be, uh, which is kind of scary. Um, 
But anyway, that is it for this week's Dropping Dimes. You can follow me anywhere at Matt Knows. Thanks to everybody that joined me live in the chat. Uh, I will see you guys next week on Wednesday at noon, as per usual, for another Dropping Dimes. Until then, stay safe out there. Wear your masks. Stay six feet apart. Uh, if you are eligible to get the shot, please get the shot. The, the sooner we get to herd immunity, the sooner we can leave all this nonsense behind us. Um, and that is my spiel. Uh, that is it for today. See you guys next week. Adios. Thank you.